You can go ahead and grab a seat. If you will, go ahead and turn to the book of Romans. Hopefully you've seen through social media or some, some form or fashion that we're going to be in Romans. And the plan is we're going to be in Romans this semester. We'll take a, a break about midway through to talk about relationships because apparently college students tend to like to be in relationships occasionally. I don't know. So we're going to do that. And then this summer we'll be, we'll be doing something different. And then in the fall we'll pick up and be in Romans again. So Romans chapter 1. Did anybody over the break do any flying? Like where you, you traveled and you had to fly somewhere? Anybody? Raise your hand. A few people. Okay, awesome. Uh, maybe get a, a better question, a better idea. Raise your hand if you've ever flown before. Okay, Mo, you're not trying to call anybody out. We have most everybody, a lot of, a lot of folks. So at Thanksgiving, my wife and I, Lauren, we're, gonna, we're flying back to Florida to see our family. for We didn't go at Christmas, but we went at Thanksgiving. And we had flown from here to Dallas, to DFW. And we're going to fly from DFW to Jacksonville, Florida. And so, by the way, go Jags this Sunday. Anybody else with me? Let's go. That was a little weaker than I was hoping. That's all right. Okay, anyways. Um, so we get on the flight. And I don't know about y'all, but you know, as soon as they start the, going through the spill about the regulations and all the safety things, well, what does everybody start doing? You just zone out, right? So, like, I, I, I'm not normally a video game guy, but for whatever reason, I was like, they started that, and I was like, I'm going to play some NBA 2K17 or whatever it was on my phone. Like, so I'm, I'm playing, like, Cavs versus Warriors and losing every time or whatever, right? And um, Lauren's reading because she's more spiritual than I am. And everybody, like, everybody starts to put in their headphones. And for, normally, the, like, the stewardesses are like, is that what you call them on that? Is that am I saying that right? Flight attendants, thank you. <laughs> Man. Getting old school here. The flight attendants, normally they just kind of like roll, your, roll their eyes and all that and do their thing. But for whatever reason, on this flight from DFW to Jacksonville, this flight attendant, she was not having that. Like, I'm serious. She, about halfway through, she was like, oh, excuse me, you can put them head, headphones at your ears? And I was like, uh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> like, literally, at the whole back of the plane that she was like doing this safety spill for, all of us, I feel like we all kind of stood up in our chairs and were like, I feel like I was in kindergarten again and getting in trouble. It really was like, oh my gosh. And so she, she does like, that was about halfway through. So she gets done. Now she's got her attention. And she said, kind of hand on the hip thing. She said, do you even know what kind of plane you are on? And I was like, man, I think we're flying American, which was the first problem, right? But like, um, so, I, you know, I didn't say, I didn't say that second part. Oh my gosh, she would have killed me. So anyway, she's asking all these questions. It was kind of in good fun, but also a little bit awkward because we're like, we just want to fly to Florida. Like, could you leave us alone, please? Right. And, but she really was, she was, she was good hearted in that she was just, she cared about us and was really concerned about our safety. But let me ask you a question. Why is it? Because everybody does that on a plane, right? I guess if you've never flown, you might kind of listen, but if you've flown before, everyone does that on a plane. Why do you think people do that? Uh, sorry, meaning they zone out. They just kind of put in their headphones or start reading. They, they don't listen to the safety and regulation guidelines. Why do people do that? Okay, so one, you've heard it already. I think that's one reason. I think there's one more reason. Okay, you don't care because I think someone else said it. Yeah, that's no, not going to happen, right? Like, I love it when like, you're flying from Dallas to Lubbock and they're like, in case of a water landing, and you're like, for real? Like, like that is not going to happen. Like, this, I can be sure of one thing. We're not going to land on water. And if we do, then we're going to be famous because we discovered something, right? Like, this is, this is going to be amazing. Yeah, they don't listen. They zone out because either, man, I've heard all this already and I know all this, which to be honest, when she started asking questions, I was like, I don't know anything. Like, she's like, what are you doing this in case of this? And I'm like looking at Lauren, like, do you know, I don't know what she's talking about. So yeah, I've already heard it. So 
I, I'm, I feel like I know everything. Or because, man, we're not going to crash. We're not, I'm not going to have to use that floaty thing. I'm not going to have to use the little bag that you breathe in. And, and even if it does fall down, I'm not touching that because who knows what somebody's been touching that. Right? Like, like, you, just, you just don't think it's going to happen. But the reality is, like, you, when you're in that plane, like, that, that's, you're in that plane, you really should probably pay attention to what's going on, right? I think in a very similar way, myself included, that is true of us in this room. Now, maybe a lot of you fit into the first category I mentioned, that you, maybe you grew up in church, you've, you've been coming to church for a while, and you would even say you're a Christian, and you're like, man, Brandon, I've, I've been hearing stuff since I was in second grade, like, I think I got it figured out. So the reality is you come to Thursday nights or Sundays and, and yeah, you're listening, you're kind of laughing, but the reality is you, you, you listen as though, you've, as though you know it all. Like I sometimes out of just politeness will listen to the flight attendant when they're giving their little safety thing. But the reality is like, I, I'm kind of halfway listening, right? I think for honest, that's, that's a, lot of, a lot of us what we do in church. Anybody willing to say, yeah, I do that sometimes? One very honest person. <laughs> now I saw a lot of head shaking. You're good. So again, a lot of people fit into that, man, I've heard this, so you kind of zone out. And then some of you may be here tonight, and the reality is that you come, you kind of pay attention, but you don't really pay attention, or you don't take what is taught from God's Word seriously because you're like, man, I don't even, I'm not even sure there is a God. Like, I'm, I'm not sure I buy any of this. Here's the reality, and here's what I love about the book of Romans. We are all in a story that God has written. And whether you like realize you're in that story or not, you're in that story. <laughs> like if you're here tonight, you're part, of, you're, part, you're part of God's story. And here's what I want to maybe push you on a little bit. I think it's very likely that a lot of us in this room you think you get the gospel. You think you get the story of God and us. But in reality, you really don't. Just like me when that lady started asking questions. I thought, oh, I know all the answers. I had no clue. I've heard it. Like, Lauren and I have flown a lot. And, and I've heard that. So I don't know how many times I've heard that. Probably, maybe 50 times or more. And I really had no clue. Didn't know anything when I was really tested. And I'm not, this is not like a guilt trip. I just want you to kind of wrestle with Is that you tonight? Do you, are you like, yeah, I've heard all this stuff, but do you actually really get the gospel? What I love about as we're going to go through Romans is man, if, if, if we'll sit up and pay attention to what God has for us, there's no way we can get to the end of this book and you not get the story of God in us. And here's what's cool. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Romans, like it, it's the core, the heartbeat of Christianity. So if you can get this, then you, then you can get Christianity. But again, I, and I'll keep saying this, but I'm going to submit to you that a lot of you, I don't mean this out of hate, that's because I love you, but I think a lot of you, you think you get it, but you just don't. And I'm hoping that as we go through Romans, you're going to start to get it. And I'm hoping that I start to get it even better. <laughs> now, before we get started and, and really um, dig into the book, we're going to go through some of Romans 1 tonight. But I think as we begin this journey of looking at our story, the story of God and us, there are a few things that you need to put in your backpack, right? Just like today's first day of school, I'm assuming you have a backpack. I don't know. I took a backpack all the way through master's and doctorate. So I'm assuming you have a backpack. Um, 
You need certain things in your backpack, right? You don't carry a backpack just to, like, look cool, right? Like, maybe you could. I don't know. Do people still do the one-shoulder thing? Ain't a problem with that. Okay. Um, but yeah, you, you need certain things in your, in your backpack if you're going to school or if you're going, like, hiking in the mountains. You need certain things for your journey. And so I'm, I'm hoping that some of the things we talk about tonight, at first may seem like, that doesn't seem, like, super, super important for my life, but it's important for our journey through Romans. And so... If y'all would, read with me in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God and power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Also, this, these first six verses are known as the longest run-on sentence ever. <laughs> Sorry, I just realized that was one sentence. I was like, why am I having trouble breathing? <laughs> it was one sentence. Whew. Okay, so here's what I want you to get so far. Now, we're actually going to have this on the screen. I don't normally do the screen thing, but tonight I'm going to help you out a little bit. So the first thing, number one, Paul the Apostle, there it is, Paul the Apostle wrote Romans. Again, some of you are like, yeah, I know that, I've heard that before, but just so we're all on the same page, Paul the Apostle is who wrote the book, the letter of Romans. So Paul, again, like, like all of us, Paul was not just always a Christian. No one is just like, if, you, if I say, hey, tell me your story, you're like, well, I've just kind of always been a Christian then honestly, you, you probably don't get it. Like we may, maybe you really are a Christian, but you're confused on how you became a Christian. If you're just like, I've just always been a Christian. Paul, he grew up a very religious person. He was a very devout Jew, like one of the elite Jews that you would have been like, man, that's a serious Jew. This dude is for real, right? It kind of be like, he would be like the, the, what the Billy Graham is to Christians, like uh, evangelical Christians. He kind of would have been that in a degree in, in some uh, form or fashion to Jews, Okay. And so much so that he was so devoted to to what he believed was God, um, he was actually persecuting Christians. And uh, you can read in Philippians uh, chapter 3, kind of the first few verses about like what he was doing and really his testimony. But Paul was persecuting Christians, and we read in Acts that one day as as Paul was walking on the road to Damascus, Jesus showed up and was like, hey, bro, why are you messing with me? (laughs) Again, Paul who was called Saul at that time, thought he was serving God. But Jesus shows up and says, you got it all backwards. Like I'm very much paraphrasing, making it simple. You got it all backwards. And from that point on, Saul became Paul and then became a follower of Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus and then became a follower of Jesus. And he went from being a radical Jew to really what you would call in a very good way, a radical Christian. He was sold out for the cause of Christ. Wrote much of the New Testament. And Paul is, so again, Paul is who wrote the book of Romans, which is really a letter. So, okay, we know who wrote it. Now look with me at verse 7 real quick. To all those in Rome who are loved by God, God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's writing to um, the Christians who are at Rome. This is going to lead us to our second one. Rylan, if you'll help me out with that one. Romans is a letter that is written like a theological essay. You may be going, what in the world? I don't want to study this. Romans is a letter that is written like a theological essay. So first of all, Romans 
was a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome. But this letter is a little bit unique. It's a little bit different. So if you read like Philippians, we're going to talk about Philippians on Sunday, actually. I get to preach and super pumped. going to be looking at the book of Philippians. Um, that really does read more like a letter, like you would write to a friend or something. Romans reads more like a theological essay in that he begins with a topic and he builds his argument throughout the whole book. Are you with me? So it's very, the, the flow of thought is very logical. I'm going to read a couple of little things here for you. Um, some commentators point out that it's a, it's a compact summary of the entire Bible, the, the story of salvation. So one, I think it's J.I. Packer said that all roads in the Bible lead to Romans. So if, when you study Romans, like I mentioned earlier when I was kind of introducing everything, if you study Romans, really all of the Bible you could say in some form or fashion is kind of summed up in this book. So again, if you can study Romans and understand this, you're going to have a good grasp on Christianity. So even if you're not a Christian, like, but you're just interested in it, then Romans is a really, really good place to start. And I hope that as you study it, you will become a Christian. Another commentator points out, so if you study the Gospels, they tell you the story of Jesus' of Jesus's life, his death, and resurrection. Here's what's really cool about Romans. Romans tells you how that impacts us. So you get the story of it in the Gospels, and it is, it's, it's transforming, it transforms your life, it affects you, certainly. But as you read Romans, it really helps translate what all those events meant, or really mean. So the fact that Jesus lived for you, he died for you, and he rose again, how does that impact your life? What does that mean for you? So it's really, really cool how Romans helps us understand that. And one last thing before we go to the, ne- to the next point, and I, hopefully this is encouraging to you. It, it was for me, certainly. When you see a theological essay, again, like me, I think boring, lame, right? Like, I don't want to preach on that. But here's the cool thing. Even though it is, like, systematic the way he approaches it, the way it's written, it, and you're going to see this as we go through the book, it's more like cozying up by fire with someone who's a lot smarter than you <laughs> and letting them just talk to you about something that is really, really important to them. So it's almost, you're going to get the sense as we go through Romans, it's as, you, as, you read what the way, sorry, as you read the way that Paul writes, it's almost like you're sitting across from the fire from him and he's just explaining the gospel to you, which that's pretty amazing, right? So again, it's not this boring book, man, it's really like cozying up next to a fire and hearing someone explain really the most beautiful truth that the world has ever known. Super pumped about that. That leads us to our third thing, all right? And this is... Uh, I got this quote from C.S. Lewis. Difficulty leads to discovery. Difficulty leads to discovery. And some of you are familiar with this if, because maybe you've read Romans in your quiet time. You've heard a sermon series on it. The book of Romans is pretty thick, like, like pretty intense. There's some deep things in there, honestly, that make me scared to preach. <laughs> like I've already had, I was talking to um, Travis, the college pastor from uh, Indiana Avenue. And he was like, dude, what are you doing in the spring? And I said, well, I'm going through Romans. And he was like, what are you going to do with Romans 9? I was like, stop it. Don't go there. Like, it, it just gets in, intense, really, really intense. But here's what I want you to get. Difficulty leads to discovery. So here's what it is. Difficult things, hard things, Hard effort produces some really, really good fruit, right? So this example just came to mind. Some of the best meals that you will ever eat 
take time and effort, right? Like I'm all for some fast food every now. Anybody like Chick-fil-A up in here, right? Like I'm not afraid to go through the drive-thru and get something quick. I'm not above that. But the reality is uh, my, my wife's parents were in town. My mom was in town this past week, weekend. And so, man, like on Friday night, I, made, I smoked some pork chops. Got a perfect ring. Jerry knows I'm talking about a perfect ring in that pork chop. I made some mashed sweet potatoes. I know it sounds weird, but it's really, really good. Paula Dean, love you. And um, made some black-eyed peas. Man, we, we did it big time, right? But, and it took, it really took like four hours. But man, we ate. I was like, this is awesome, right? Of course, I made it. That's kind of prideful. But the difficulty of, of making all that led to the discovery of some really, really good food, right? I just spit everywhere. <laughs> just getting, getting excited thinking about it. <laughs> If you, if you go to the gym, we've used this illustration before. If you go to the gym and just, or the, the rec or, or whatever, and you're just kind of doing the one pounds every now and then, but ch- just spending more time checking yourself out in the mirror, right, than actually working out, like, it's not going to affect your body, right? You have to work hard. You have to have a difficult workout to discover, like, I got some muscles in there, right? It takes work. It's the same way with your faith. Like, as we dig deep into Romans, if you're willing to turn on your brain and say, hey, look, we're going to dig deep, man, it's powerful stuff. I think we're so used to doing that in so many other areas of our life. But when it comes to, to our faith and our walk with Christ, it's easy to go on coast and be like, yeah, I'm going to let Brandon teach and I'm going to sit here and not really do anything or whatever. Man, you know, let, let's go deep together. And I promise you, we're going to discover some amazing, amazing things. In some ways, you can say that Romans is a rebuke of lazy Christian thinking. Like, if you approach your Christian faith like, oh, man, I don't have to think deep. I don't like to think deep. Romans kind of is a rebuke of that. Like, hey, we're not going to put up with that. We're going to dig in to God's truth and see what he has for us. Difficulty leads to discovery. Next one we're going to go to. Relationships are a vital part of the Christian life. Like, duh, I knew that. Well, let's get a little context. Look with me at verse 8. So this is kind of a little bit of introduction that Paul's given to, to the Romans. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Here's the key, verse 12. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I've often intended to come to you, but thus far I've been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So before we get to this point that's on the screens, just pointing out. So Paul's saying, man, he's wanting to go to Rome. Eventually his, his goal is to go to Rome and then go even spread the gospel to Spain. Because, man, the gospel we're going to talk about in a second, that's his heart. That's his passion. That's what's what important to Paul. But I want you to notice verse 12. He says, so he said, I want to see you so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. As simple as this statement is, relationships are a vital part of the Christian life. I'm not sure we always believe that by the way that we live. Y'all, to, to grow together, 
or let me rephrase that. To grow in your faith, you got to do it together. <laughs> he says, so our faith may be mutually encouraged. Now, think about this. This is Paul the Apostle, like Christian of Christians. If there, was, if there ever was a strong Christian, like Paul was it, right? And he's telling these baby Roman Christians, man, we're going to get together and spend time together, and we're going to be mutually encouraged. No matter how spiritual and how mature you think you are in your faith, you're never above, you're never too far, you're never too good to meet with other believers. Y'all with me? Y'all, we need each other. You ever seen somebody trying to do a two-step dance by themselves? That's just weird, right? Someone out there two-stepping by themselves? I'm from Florida, so I'm terrible at two-stepping. Don't, don't make me try. But like, yeah, I don't know what that was. <laughs> but when people try, like, you wouldn't try to two-step by yourself. It, it, it's silly. I, mean, I guess you could. I just kind of did. But like, it's, it's ridiculous. If you're going to dance with somebody, hey, Katie, just sorry there. If you're going to dance with somebody, or if you're going to dance, you, you, you need a part. Dancing is designed to have other people, right? Have a, have a partner. Like, you could dance in your dorm room by yourself, but it's just kind of weird, right? Like, it's better to have people with you. you know, the, the Christian life is the same way. It's designed to be a dance. I'm not, I'm not encouraging that we're all, like, going to couple up and dance after this. But, like, it's designed that you move together and go through life together. So I'm going to encourage you here. This is not like, this is an invitation, not a condemnation thing. If you, if you just really come on Thursday nights, which man, we're so glad you're here on Thursday nights. But if you just come on Thursday nights, but aren't plugged in. And I saw, I know some of y'all go other places on Sundays, totally get that. But if you're not plugged in to some smaller group of fellowship, it's going to be hard for you to grow in your faith. I didn't say it was impossible, but it's going to be difficult. I was talking with Dennis and he was talking about some of his friends in China and he's worried about them. Some of them that have now accepted Christ because for several different reasons, we're not going to go into right now. Like they're probably not going to get plugged into a church. And he, he was saying, he knows like it's going to be really hard for them to grow because we need each other. So in your seat tonight, and don't worry about it right now, but we, we put a home group card. It's a little red card. And y'all, I would, I would love for you to get involved in a home group. Honestly, the bigger our home groups are, the more work it is for me. So it's not like I'm just trying to get us the big home group. Like that's not it at all. Because we care about your faith and I want you to be encouraged in your faith. So y'all, we, we, if you're not in a home group, if you're not in a small group of believers, man, I, I beg you, I encourage you to do that. And not to just like sign up for one, but to actually go, right? Like if you like, yeah, I'm part of the home group, but you only go like twice a semester, you're not really part of that, right? Like... I want you to plug in and be a part of that community. We have some that meet on, uh, we have one that meets on Sunday morning. Now the Maddoxes, still kind of weird to say, but David and Allie are going to be on Sunday nights. Uh, the Hayes crew is on Monday nights. And then, whoop, whoop, and then, <laughs> thank you. And then um, the Bailey crew is on Tuesday nights. So, like, hopefully you can fit in somewhere and come to one of those. Again, at, this is not condemnation. Don't walk out feeling all judged. But I want to invite you to be part of that so that your faith can be mutually encouraged. All right. Before we move to the next point, notice where verse 15 says, So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And I pointed out that like the, the gospel was Paul's heartbeat. That's what his life was about. I want to take just a moment. Again, a lot of you, a lot of us feel like we know the gospel, we get it. Y'all, don't turn off on me here, okay? 
as basic as it seems, don't just go into like, you know, earbud mode, earbud mode and like playing NBA 2K16, like while they're trying to talk to you. Don't miss this. I think one of the best definitions of the gospel is by a, a guy from, named Tim Keller from up in New York. He says, the gospel, you know, you've heard me say this before, the gospel is the truth that I'm far more wicked and evil than I've ever dared believe. But in Christ, I'm far more loved and accepted than I ever dared hope. So the gospel is the reality that I'm messed up. Louis Giglio at the Passion Conference said like, Christians more than anyone should realize that we're messed up. Like the idea of an arrogant Christian who looks down on other people is just ridiculous. Like, if you know Jesus, you begin to realize, am I, you begin to wonder like, am I ever gonna like mature? Am I ever gonna like quit sinning? The gospel is the fact that meant we are messed up. But because of Jesus, we can have forgiveness and hope and love and mercy. And that is what, that's what drove Paul's life was the gospel. That's what had changed his life and what he wanted other people to hear. And so this leads us to verses 16 through 17. Here's what's so cool. This is really the thesis of the books. So again, Romans is like a theological essay, right? And this is really the thesis, the heartbeat of the book. So I would read verses 16 through 17, 17 with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Man, this is is so good. Like we got to get this. All right. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation. So here's the deal. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, what he's done for us, even though we are sinners, what he offers for us, even though we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. The gospel is not just an idea. It's not just a concept. He says it's the power of God. So when we come here tonight, we're just this is not academic. Like we're just going to talk about the gospel. And now here's the syllabi for church. Like, no, it's powerful. When you talk about Jesus and what he's done for us, in spite of the fact that we are wretched, evil sinners, man, there's power in that. It's not just an idea. It's not just a concept, though it is a really powerful idea. It is the power of God for salvation. And listen to this. He says, to everyone who believes. Yo, that's good news. It does not matter what your past is, what your present is, or what you think your future might be. It does not matter what color skin you have. It does not matter what kind of family you grew up in. It does not matter how rich you are, how poor you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are and how unintelligent you are. None of that matters. If you will turn to Christ, you can have the salvation of Jesus. Now, no, Brandon, I, I know what you're saying, but man, my, my, my past is messed up. You know what Paul, if he was right here, you know he would say, hey, I used to kill Christians for fun. God save me (laughs) is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Don't let that stress you out. We'll talk about it later in Romans. He's not taking away from what he just said. It still applies to everyone. Verse 17 for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. The righteousness of God is revealed. 
It's not the righteousness of man, the righteousness of God. Here's what he's saying. We can't earn our salvation. You can't be good enough. You can't try hard enough. You can't be religious enough. You can't be, quote, spiritual enough. You can't be moral enough. As good as the, I know this isn't a word, the goodest person in this room would not be good enough. Their righteousness, their their, their good work, so to speak, would never be enough to be able to be in, here's where the word righteousness comes in, would never be good enough to be in right standing before God. Nothing you can do, nothing I can do is good enough to put me in a situation where I'm in right standing before God, where he looks at me and goes, I'm proud of you. You have done well. You have done right. I'm not against you anymore. I'm for you. Nothing we can do can do that says the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. So here's the deal. I can't earn my way to God. Instead, God has a free gift. We'll see later in Romans. Takes his righteousness, his goodness, his perfection, and offers it to me as a gift. If I would just what, have what? What's it say? Faith. Listen, I love the way this um, guy smarter than me describes faith. Faith is the attitude whereby a man or woman or woman abandons all reliance in his own efforts to obtain salvation, be they deeds of piety, of ethical goodness, or anything else. It is the attitude of complete trust in Christ, of reliance on him alone for all that salvation means. So here's the deal. Jesus literally left heaven, came to earth, lived the life that you could not live even if you tried. You say, well, I've tried to really have like treat people with kindness, but in your heart, you know, you hate them, right? He came to live the life that you and I could never live, died the death that we deserve because of our sin, and then rose again to offer us victory over sin and death in the grave. So here's what's cool in, in the gospel. I love this. If we'll put our faith in Jesus not only does he wipe away our sin and throw it as far as the east is from the west and clean it, clean it off, give us a clean slate, he also gives us his righteousness. It's called what theologians call the great exchange, that he takes on my nasty, gross sin and he gives me his righteousness. Second Corinthians, I think it's 5.17 says, he made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So it's not just that he frees us and sets us free from prison. It's though he takes us out of prison and then puts medals and awards on us as, a, as if we had lived a really awesome life. <laughs> so when he looks at you, he doesn't just look at you as forgiven. He looks at you as if you lived the life that Jesus lived. Dang! <laughs> that is scandalous. That is amazing. I'm not just free and forgiven, but he looks at me as his perfect son. You know, Martin Luther, some of y'all may know the name, he was a reformer. He, he grew up in the, at a time when the church was, was in a mess. And Martin Luther was always trying to earn, he felt like he had to earn his salvation. He had to prove something for God and it drove him mad. Like literally, he was beginning to kind of go crazy a little bit. And then he read this verse. That the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. By the way, faith for faith, meaning it's an idiom, meaning it's all about faith. It starts with faith and it ends with faith. So it's not that you, 
you get saved, you come to Jesus by believing him and trusting him. And then as soon as you do that, you're like, all right, now I'm going to go to work again. No, no, no. It starts with faith and it's all faith, trusting in Jesus. And the reality is, we're going to see later in Romans, that as you trust Jesus, he changes your hearts that you want to do what's right. Not to earn something, but because you love him. It's from faith for faith. So Martin Luther read this passage. Listen to how he responded when you begin to see that faith in Christ is what offered salvation. At last, by the mercy of God, meditating day and night, I gave heed to the context of the words, namely, in it the righteousness of God is revealed. As it is written, he through faith is righteous shall live. There I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous lives by gift of God, namely by faith. And this is the meaning. The righteousness of God is revealed by the gospel, namely the passive righteousness with which the merciful God justifies us by faith. As it is written, he who through faith is righteous shall live. I love this statement. Here I felt that I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. He, at one point in his life, he said, like talking about the forgiveness that God offered and that God was actually not mad at him. He said it would give him enough joy to stand on his head, right? Like that's, it was that kind of joy that God wasn't mad at him anymore. And he had to earn it. It's just, it was through faith in Christ, trusting in Christ. The righteous shall live by faith. It's not about what you do. What you don't do, it's about putting your faith in Jesus. Eric Metaxas wrote an incredible biography on on Martin Luther. And commenting on Luther's response to this passage, he says, Luther saw in this verse the very essence of Christian theology. God reached down, not halfway to meet us in our vileness, but all the way down to the foul dregs of our broken humanity. You don't have to try to reach up to God. He came down to reach you. You just trust in Jesus. Luther's definition of faith is this. Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace. So sure and certain that the believer would stake his life on it a thousand times. over again going to God's grace. A couple years ago, my wife and I and uh, old buddy Garrett and Chelsea and the, uh, some of the other Richies, the Richie family, went up to Paladero to go hiking. And um, Garrett and Maddie Grace at that time, she was like fifth grade. Even though Garrett and I were like 29, we were kind of on the same level as Maddie Grace, you know what I'm saying? And as far as maturity. And uh, you're supposed to say on the trails at Paladero, which I'm sure y'all don't either, right? I'm not the only one that's gone off trails before. But there was this like, I looked like a good, I don't mountain's not the right word, but this really good dirt hill to climb. And so Garrett and Maddie Grace and I are like, let's go have a competition. Let's go see who can get to the top the first, the fastest. So we run over there, you know, trip along the way, get over there. And we begin to climb and we, all three of us get about, I don't know. I don't think I'm being uh, or exaggerating. We get about 10 feet up and we cannot go any further. The reason we couldn't go any further was because every hole, I don't know what the terminology is for climbing, but every hold we tried to make just crumbled. 
Oh, I'm going to grab onto the rock right here. And it just crumbled. Oh, maybe if I put my foothold right here and our foot just slipped because it was just dirt. Oh, I'm going to grab onto this and it would crumble. So after like 10 minutes, we just, we just gave up. Every effort I could, I could do to try to get to the top, it, it just crumbled. It was pointless. That's what you trying to make your way to God is like. Oh, man, I, I, I'm going I'm to be good enough. I'm going to... I'm going to be spiritual enough. I'm going to climb and get to God. But the reality is, you're just going to wear yourself out. Trying to get to God on your own will destroy you and burden you. And leave you feeling hopeless. Like, well, why should I even try? This is just stupid. Yeah, I guess I'll just kind of try to be good enough and and kind of not be the worst person ever. But I'm not even going to try because it seems hopeless. And you know what? It is hopeless. That's why Jesus came. Paul says in Galatians that if we could earn our way to heaven, then Jesus didn't need to come. There was no reason for him to come. But you know what? He did need to come because every step, every hold you try to make to try to climb your way to God just leads to you slipping further and further away. So Jesus came for you and for me. If we just put our faith in him and say, I'm I'm not going to trust in what I've done or who I am. I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. Turn from my sin, trust in him and follow him. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but man, I sure do know that I need him and I want him. That's what being a Christian is. I don't have it all together, man. I'm going to be like Jesus. I I want him to forgive me. I want to know him. And I sure am going to try to be like him because man, he's amazing. When you begin to get the gospel and then your heart begins to be full. Then you, you, you want to sing. You want to follow Jesus. You want to live by faith and trust him. I want to say one last thing. Rylan, if you put up that last slide, I think it's the, um, the not ashamed. Yeah. Almost wrapping up here, but I, I can't leave this um, without addressing this. Verse 16. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. And he says, again, the reason is because the power of God for salvation is for anyone who believes. So I'm not ashamed of it because, man, anybody that hears the gospel and they put their faith in Christ, man, God will save them no matter what they've done. How amazing is that? So he says, I'm not ashamed. You know, if you're like me, I can't help but wonder, like, we know Paul wasn't ashamed. Like, Paul never acted ashamed. Like, he was bold. Why did he write this? I think it's because typically we are ashamed. <laughs> we're, we're scared to share. We're scared to be bold. We're scared to talk about Jesus. Y'all, when you think about the gospel and that's the power of God for salvation and that literally it could completely change LCU, Texas Tech, South Plains, Wherever you're at, wherever you're working at, it could literally transform Lubbock in the world. The gospel is meant to explode in people's lives in a very good and beautiful way. <laughs> it's meant to change the world. Like, what do we have to be ashamed about? This is the power of God for salvation. So it's not me by myself, like, I'm going to try to talk to this person about Jesus. No, the power of God, which, by the way, God's pretty powerful. He created the universe. It's pretty impressive. The power of God is with you in that moment as you share the gospel. And y'all, let me be very honest and very clear. I'm talking to me right now, okay? Like, I, I struggle with this. Like, you may, man, you seem pretty bold. Like, 
I'm, I'm much more bold in this setting than like one-on-one, like at JMB or something. I think 2018 could be the year that we go from a group that, yeah, man, we come together and we worship and yeah, we love God and we have a good time together. But we go from just kind of being, a, yeah, we're just a good group to the year that we become the group that, man, you better watch out because we're seeing the power of God sweep across our city, change our families, change the places we work, change our friends. And it all starts with y'all, not us, sorry. It starts with us not being ashamed. We're going to kind of be pushing this, or I don't know the best word, talking about this really throughout the semester. But I want tonight just to kind of put a little bug in your ear. Y'all, it's time for us to not be ashamed. I'll explain this more next week, but I'm going to go ahead and issue this challenge, and the challenge is extended to me as well, to have two gospel conversations every month. Gospel conversation is not, I, I, this is not a bad thing, but when I say gospel conversation, I don't mean, hey, you should come to church with me. That's a good thing, but saying come to church with me is not the power of God for salvation, right? The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Man, how different would your family look, your school look, your workplace look? How different would this room look if all of us who are believers took the challenge to every month just have two gospel conversations? I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how to do that. Well, good thing if you're a Christian, you got the Holy Spirit, and he's pretty good at that. (laughs) And we're going to help you along the way. But this is the year I really believe me included, we go from just being, man, we're a good group, we love Jesus, to man, we're going to be some soul-seeking, soul-saving fishermen for Jesus. <laughs> Fisherwomen. <laughs> so as we, we're going to enter a time of response. And I, I'm going to ask us to be pretty bold tonight. Is that, is that cool if we do that? Either way, we're going to do it. So, <laughs> the, fir- the first group, I'm probably going to ask you to, like, I get this takes boldness. But I think you should know that people are going to be super pumped if you respond in boldness. But the first group I'm going to ask to respond is those of you who would say, man, I thought I got it. Or maybe, maybe you would say, I knew I didn't get it. <laughs> but you thought you understood the, what Christianity, Christianity was about. You thought you understood the gospel. Or maybe you, you just realized you didn't get the gospel. But now tonight you go, man, I finally get it. It's not about me trying to earn something. No, Jesus came to rescue me. I simply need to to turn from my sin and run to him and place my my faith, my hope, my trust in him. To follow him. So if that's you tonight, or if you would say, you know what? Like I recently, recently, I'm just going to leave it there. I don't know how recently it may be, but how long that may be. But if you would say, you know what? Sometime in the past bit of time, I have become a Christian, but I've been like quiet about it. I haven't really told anybody about it and kind of been, didn't really want to like publicly profess that, yeah, I'm a Christian. If that's you, either like so saying, you know, I've been a Christian, but like I've never told anybody. I've been acting like I'm not. And now it's time to say, you know, what? I have put my faith in Christ. Or if you would say, I've, ne- I've never trusted Jesus, but tonight is the night I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus. If that's you, I know it takes boldness. We're not closing our eyes. We're not bowing our heads. If that's you, 
I'm not going to make you do anything weird, I promise. But I'm going to ask you to have the boldness just to stand up right now. Anybody in the room? It's a lot of pressure, I know. A lot of, a lot of eyes, I know. Anybody in the room? It may not be, I don't know. That invitation still stands. You can stand up anytime, all right? Or still remains. The second invitation, <clears throat> maybe not as much uh, boldness required. I think a lot of us as Christians, like we know yeah, I need to trust in Jesus, but the reality is like as soon as we trust in Jesus, we, we have a tendency to go back to trying to climb that mountain of like, yeah, let me get close to God. Let me get close to God. Let me earn this. And the reality is he says the righteous shall live by faith. It's from faith for faith. It's like, it starts with faith and it's a continued faith and trust in Jesus. And you would, so maybe here tonight, you're like, I know I'm a Christian, but I've kind of gotten in the habit of like trying to just please God and, and impress God instead of just enjoying God and delighting God and learning to love him and follow him and live for him as he changes my heart. If you would say, maybe you need to like get back on track and just start living by faith and not trying to earn stuff for God. Would you mind just standing up? I, I'm, I'm standing right now. Like I, I'm going to stand. I'm, I'm standing right now. That would be me. The righteous shall live by faith. And here's the last group. And if you're standing and you want to come forward in this next one, because you're like, and both, which is me, I'm both, then that's cool. And this last one. So the first group was people that need to respond to the gospel. This group that's standing now, people that need to um, remember the gospel. And here's this third group, people that need to relay the gospel. And if you're a Christian, this is you. <laughs> relay the gospel. Man, what a shame it would be if like, man, people are running in a race, like a, a relay race. They have the baton and they hand the baton to you and you just stand there. <laughs> I'm scared to run, right? That's what so many of us do in our Christian faith, right? Like we, the generations before, maybe it's our parents, maybe it's a friend, they're running and they hand you the baton of the gospel to go and spread to other people. But you get the baton and you're just like, ah, I'm scared, right? Oh, we got to keep the baton moving, right? Our king is calling us to keep passing it on, keep passing it on, keep passing it on. So tonight, if that's you, and that's, that's certainly me, and you say, you know what? Tonight's the night. I'm going to quit being ashamed. And I'm going to ask that you would just, I know this is crowded, but I'm going to ask that you would just come down front just for a few minutes and pray that God would give you a boldness to share the gospel. And maybe even if there's some people that God puts on your heart and on your mind that you need to share the gospel with, that you would go ahead and pray for them. We're not going to drag this out. We're not going to go much longer. But I would ask that right now you would come down down front and just pray that God will give you a boldness and begin to pray for people that need to hear the gospel. And then after that, I'll lead us to the next thing we're going to do and we'll finish up. But if you would, if you, need to, if you need to keep passing that baton and be bold, then let's pray. I'll be down here. You can join me.